Hello, and thank you uh, for joining us today for another episode of From Red to Black, a Homicide Life on the Street podcast. This is Joe. I'm Daniel. And the title of this episode is Happy to Be Here. It originally aired Friday at 10 p.m. November 18th, 1994 on NBC. Quick episode summary. Um, Bayless continues his relationship with uh, Emma Zool. Um, Bolander and Munch investigate the shooting of a person called Thorne, who was linked to a cocaine, cocaine cartel. Um, Meldrick and Bayless's disagreement over the artist Emma Zool uh, leaves Munch without partners for the bar. And then Bayless goes over the edge when Emmazul dumps him. It was directed by Lee Bonner. Story was by Tom Fantana and Julie Martin. It feels like there's so much more in this episode than that than that summary, which is one of the probably the longest summary we've had so far. Yeah, and there was a lot I left out. Yeah, um, yeah. There's there's uh, so much happening in this episode. Um, not surprised to see written by Tom Fantana, um, for reasons we'll get into, I guess, in a little bit. Um, so, yeah, so we're still following the, um, well, all right, well, we'll talk about the, that, like, the cold open in this episode, uh, where they're talking about if you measure your, the distance from your eyes, from one eye to the other eye, and then it's, you're in total harmony with the universe or something like that. some crazy thing. Yeah. And then also uh, that your nose is the size of the, your penis or whatever. Right. Um, totally, like, bizarre. Right. Strange, Makes no sense. Yeah, strange place to open it. Just a weird kind of slice of life conversation. But um, something I really love from this show. It's funny. Uh, it's just kind of people just just being people who work together, I guess. To me, it was a very um, old-fashioned homicide. Right. And I mean that in a good way. Exactly. And I think... That's going to be a, a theme that we go back to with this episode. There's so many of those where it's... Uh, one thing we were both commenting on when we were watching this was in the beginning, the first, maybe third of the episode, the scenes were just ripping through. Yeah. We weren't even, like, hitting a minute with a lot of them. So, yeah. like, 30 seconds, 45 really seconds. Um, so, I guess, uh, should we start with Bayless and Emma? I was going to say... Yeah. Bayless and Emma Zool. Wake up in a coffin. That's where this episode... <laughs> the first thing that we see after that that little cold open there is Bayless is still with Emma. Um, Which I was surprised about. Yeah, it seemed like... I thought they, it was over. It seemed like they had a really clean break. It felt yeah. like a clean break. And then also uh, that it would make sense for this character to kind of come onto the show and then disappear. Yeah. Um, I wonder... I, I think even a little bit when I first saw it, I wondered if this character has the... Uh, my interest enough to make it worth uh, sticking around, and um, I think uh, I think Emmazul does. I think the what they did with the storyline in this episode warranted uh, a little yeah, further. Yeah, good use. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, through the episode, we find out uh, like we did before, and this is I think this storyline. What I like about it is it becomes almost like textbook Tim Bayless. Like, he is so hot and cold, so not in control of 
his emotions and you know he's the character that i think is like the audience surrogate in the first couple episodes where we're seeing the world of a homicide department through his eyes the new guy but uh you know we've seen him like he gets in, he's gotten into a couple scruffs now where he's like throwing people and he gets really emotional uh and like loud a lot but i tell you this one disturbed me the most yeah which we'll talk about shortly but well this, this was the it. one where he went over the edge I and mean, he pulled a gun on someone yeah i mean like you can't do that after fighting a police officer right like shoving a police officer in uniform right while he's at work you're right um so yeah so uh tim and uh emma wake up in the coffin and i guess um She's talking about Andy, her, her boyfriend. boyfriend, who we know from before is a cop in Baltimore. Um, now, Bayless and Frank also pick up this uh, two-week-old corpse. I, I would like to think, by the time we finish talking about this episode, I would like to figure out why this episode is called Happy to Be Here. Because like, I do feel like there is some similarities in some of the storylines. I do kind of feel like a theme in the episode. I don't okay. get the name, though. But we'll All see right. if we get there. Anyway, so uh, there's this uh, two-week-old corpse, um, and fresh flowers are put out. <laughs> kind of feels like a, like one of those like old um, uh, put-the-clues-together detective story. You yeah, know, like, yeah. How are the flowers fresh? That's pretty weird. Um, and then, yeah, it's after that the scene that uh, Emma Zool tells Tim... That she was, they're in the the morgue, and they're talking about their relationship around all these dead bodies, and they keep doing these like interesting cutaway scenes to the techs listening in. Yeah, just shooting them like dirty looks uh, as they're you know airing out all their dirty laundry. Um, uh, Emma Zool told her boyfriend about Tim and how she feels about him, and as a in response, he pushed her. Right. He shoved her. And, of course, Tim... Went berserk. Yeah, right, right. Understandably, understandably so. Um, and then uh, they end that scene by just, like, making out. They're, like, sucking face there <laughs> as they wheel by a corpse with, like, a <laughs> bleeding head wound. Right. Um, so, uh, Tim and uh, Frank are on the case. They're hunting down this, the husband of this two-week-old body that they found decomposing in their living room. And uh, they're, you can see Tim is just obsessing over this Andy. He's saying all the different Andys. <laughs> Which is really funny, by the way. Typical, like you said, like classic homicide. And you know what I thought the classic part was? Um, so yet Frank doesn't comment. After he leaves the car, he thinks of one, Andy Williams, and says it. Right. That's a classic homicide. Someone who doesn't seem interested is not paying attention, but they're paying attention. Yeah, and, and it's also the point in the conversation when Frank should say, Tim, get back in the car. <laughs> you know, you're out yeah. of control right now. And then we find out, no, he's totally with him every step of the way. Uh, and then lets him, yeah. And so he's not... They are not out looking for this Arthur, the husband of this deceased 
uh, woman, they're looking at Andy, the cop. He's right. just out in his car in the suburb right. somewhere. So Tim goes over, introduces himself, and it escalates quickly. He just says, He's ready to punch him out. Yeah. And then they push, and I guess Tim, uh, or Frank kind of breaks it up. Um, but just like, um, just that, that, like, berserk side of Tim. Yeah, the, the anger he can get is frightening. Yeah. It's out of control. And it's just a different person. Because I consider him a gentle soul. Right. Overall. Right. But. Yeah, he has these moments where he just flares up and. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> puts himself and uh, and Frank in, in danger. <laughs> uh, and the other foot does drop on that later in the episode. G is like, he really laces into him about, you know, what were you doing? Right. right. You know, you, what were you thinking? I mean. And and to G's point, this should be a slam dunk of a case. I mean, I guess it's not technically a homicide, but they need the psych evaluation yeah. on the husband or whatever. Right. So, like, yeah, G's right. Like, why is this not done yet? And it's because he's, you know, going out there, uh, a knight in shining armor for Emma Zool. Hmm. Um, what else are we at with, with that? Oh, so, I'm sorry, the, the next... Kind of instance in that storyline is when they find Arthur uh, looking at the seals in the zoo, I guess. Yes. And he says uh, they've been married 51 years. He's kind of just this sweet guy. Obviously, has some kind of mental something going on. Yeah. Like, he, he does and he doesn't. Right. It's like, you know she's dead, but he doesn't act like he should. Yeah, he, we're, I'm thinking that this person, like, might not even know that their wife is dead. You know, like, the way that he's kind of behaving and the way he's, like, almost, like, nonchalant about it. I'm like, oh, probably doesn't even realize. And then you find out, like, no, totally does. Just, <laughs> yeah. He's just, um, weird. He, he chooses to process it differently. Yeah. And this, I think... This is around the uh, the point in the episode when these scenes get a little bit longer. Uh, like, what a strange interaction that is with that character. Where, like, they're trying to be as, like... Uh, they're, they're towing the line between being polite about this, uh, but also being, you know, giving the stark reality. Um, and I think they know he had nothing to do with it. Which... When they saw the flowers, they weren't sure. Right. Now they know he's just, he's harmless. Yeah, right. And, yeah, what he was doing was, I don't I don't even know if it's illegal, even, what he was doing. It probably is. It, pro it has to be. Right. Um, but uh, certainly is weird and, and wrong to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you feel sorry for the character. You feel, And I think they empathize with that character, too. Uh, Tim absolutely does a little bit later. Um, Emma comes back to Tim... Uh, and confronts him for confronting Andy. Uh, we get uh, there three Zhuangs, <laughs> which it feels like it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I don't know if I just wasn't registering them. I'm sure they were they were in uh, previous episodes that we've been watching. Somehow not as prominent. No, and this felt like such, it was like, yeah, I uh, 
you almost like feel anticipate the join coming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, three of those real weird cuts, and Emma delivers the same line kind of three different ways. Tim is throwing himself against the lockers, then it cuts back to him being there. Um, I mean, that was like straight out of season one editing. That I I think it's safe to say the show's kind of gotten away from that a little bit. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. So to see that thrown back really felt good. And it felt deserved here, I think. Um, so she, I guess she, Emma's like trying to effectively cut things off with Tim now, and she's upset. It, and I like her thing about um, you need to argue with me, you need to fight with me on this. And like Tim is like, I can't fight you because of the, the way in which or the, how much he loves her, he doesn't want to fight. Especially over this thing, I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I don't totally get it, but yeah, I, I, I understand it. Yeah, but he, uh, he won't fight with her, and she's like, "Yeah, that's why this won't work." Right. Um, Which I, I don't know, it doesn't make sense. But. Yeah, and then uh, so on his way home that night, Tim makes a stop at a convenience store for, and, uh, and it's funny, you just, you kind of know where it's going. And by the way, that clerk is so good. Yeah. He deserves a uh, Emmy Award. Yeah, let me find where I put... I, I know somewhere here I marked... It's like $11.78. And like, <laughs> I must say, Tim tries to do the right thing. Like, come on, man. Cut me a break. It's 11 cents. Who cares? Yeah. Even if he'll never come back. And the guy is just one of those... By the book. And you, we've all met people like this. Yeah. In real life. To the point, again, where Tim just can't handle it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's... I, th- I guess because we empathize so much with Tim, it's easy to see this from both sides of the, of the yeah. coin. Like, this guy's at work. <laughs> you know, like, he needs that 11 cents. But the uh, just his delivery, he is, like, totally staring right at Tim. Yes. Unblinking, right. even. And just re you know saying over and over again like I need the eleven cents, pay me, and um, yeah I, oh when he and when he was when he walked in the store too or when he was walking the register I was like oh it looks like he has this definitely a, a six pack of beer, and then is that just a box of chocolate chip cookies is that the other thing and then they show it closer and it's yeah that's exactly what yeah. it is he got a six pack of Schlitz and a, a bunch of chocolate chip cookies, um, and yeah Tim loses it. He lo- in like man, you know Kyle Secor just destroys in that in that scene. We're screaming about humanity or whatever. Like he gets totally wild eyed, yelling like we've never seen him before, and uh, over a- at eleven cents. Right, I would say that's the craziest, without a doubt, we've seen him so far. Yeah, not even close. Pulls a gun. Yeah, right. he pulls the gun on the cashier. And uh, it does it feel like it's too? I mean, obviously it's too excessive. But does it feel like it's? Do you do you buy that he would pull a gun there? Yes, because Tim is insane. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm beginning to learn that he's insane. Yeah, and think of how bad he feels after it. 
But it doesn't matter. It's too late. Yeah. That is such like a strange thing for this character to do. I totally believe it. I totally buy it. I mean, they they piece that breadcrumb trail to get to that point so perfectly that yeah, I'm, I'm stitched in and I'm along for it. Um, whereas I feel like maybe for the last half dozen or so episodes, kind of season two ish, because beginning of season three ish, I feel like they try to make bold moves like that. Sometimes they don't, they don't earn. But this is like so crazy, so unexpected from this character, but within the storyline, totally makes sense. To me. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I love that scene. That was a great scene. Yeah. And um, also the the sweet resolution there. Such a clever way to wrap it up. The cops come. Tim hands himself over. Right. Um, and then uh, Frank comes out and kind of bails him. I don't know if you heard Frank's last line. Only 11 cents. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah. Again, classic homicide. Such bad things could have happened. Of all the things he could say, don't forget, you owe me 11 cents. Yeah, right. And he means it. <laughs> yeah, that he took care of him. So, I mean, I, and I, we, I think the show does well uh, in that we know exactly what went down with Frank and the other cop and the cashier. Like, we know that scene because we've seen Frank do that, right. you know, how many other times? Right. Like he gets the confession. He gets them to believe whatever he needs them to believe. And then also throws in the kicker of having Tim be the personal security guard. And, for this and they show him out there like a schlub. Yeah, right. Wearing his, uh, his uniform. His yeah. He's got the blue shirt and everything. Sleeping on a chair. It does go. You know what? It's dawning on me. So Frank knows. is starting to know how crazy Tim is. Mm. He's got to. Because he says, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear what you did. Right. But he knows what he did. Yeah. And he doesn't tell anyone else. He doesn't really even discuss it with Tim to a certain extent. Right. Like, what were you thinking? I, 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 I don't know. It's, why, a, it's why? a little bothersome. Yeah. Why do you think he's... Is he protecting him, or is he just... I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think they, they care for each other now. Yeah, you know? like, yeah. I think they've... Oh, that was sweet, what he did. Yeah. And almost more than any other two... Like, any other pair of officers or any uh, pair of detectives, I feel like they have this bond that has been kind of forged over the... You know, over the, the first season and, and Tim kind of coming on. We're... They were at odds. They're, they are often at each other's throats, but that there is this kind of trust there. But I, I think you're right. It is kind of strange that he's, like, going to the mat with him this hard. Yeah. That he wouldn't even, like, bring it up to anyone else. Right. You know, like, you know, someone has to know that he pulled a gun right. on the cashier at this And I think the guy, the cop with Frank, didn't think that. Frank knew it. Mm -hmm. The other guy didn't know it. Right. Frank knows what really happened. Yeah. Yeah. Because the guy says, oh, they see a gun. Bye, bye, bye. And it's like, no, I got it seen no gun. Um, so in this, the storyline ends with him out in front of the, uh, the liquor store. Um, are we going to see Emma Zool again, do you think? <laughs> you asked me that last week, yeah. last 
I guess. Yeah. I say no. No. <laughs> what do you think? I don't know what you do with that character anymore. Yeah. But I feel like I I'm I'm down with it. Uh right. to see how Tim kind of responds to it. This uh a uh, sad sack, love lorn uh, Tim Bayless character is so great. So, yeah, it, it's a great character. Yeah, um, I really like this. Uh, this from Tim. Now the other uh, storyline in the episode that kind of uh, peeks up every now and then that Tim is directly involved in is buying the restaurant. Correct. Which uh, the fallout from Emma Zool is so vast that it's <laughs> totally destroyed any. Uh, so Lewis drops out. Besides, he's not going to be part of the business because Tim is a backstabber. Right. And then uh, halfway through the episode, Tim pulls out. Right. So it's just Munch. And Munch is just beside himself. Talking to everyone who will listen about trying to invest in this, uh, this and, restaurant. And by the way, I thought Munch was his most subdued and logical that he ever was when he talked to people. <laughs> I think he's so <laughs> desperate. That he, he pulled back. Yeah. Because he didn't go crazy. But he's obviously very concerned. Yeah. Which he, which he should be. You know, there's, yeah, there's some, there's an element to Detective Munch where he is so clever, right? Like in, in the character is so clever and is uh, so cool mm-hmm. that, like, we are not seeing that side of Munch now. Like, he really wants this, or he really doesn't want to have to do it by himself. You know, whether he can't afford it or whatever. Um, so, like, when he goes in and he talks to Russert, and he's like, you look like someone <laughs> who has a lot of money saved up. Like, that's not a cool introduction at all. Um, there's no subtlety, no chill to, uh, to Detective Munch in this episode. Or at least with this plot line. Well, how about, so at the end, doesn't he go to um, Lewis... And kind of say, you know, Tim likes you and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Was that really true at all? Or? Let's acknowledge that there's a dog in the room. Hi, Newman. Say hello. All right, listeners, say hello to Newman. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so he's, he lies. He lies. He's doing whatever he can to yeah. repair uh, this... Business right. deal for him, yeah. Newman. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's a... Uh, and I guess it's assumed that he's going to do something similar to Tim. Uh, right. Kind of smooth this over and, and hopefully... I would think so. Hopefully save it. Um, I was expecting Tim to walk in. I thought he was going to, like... He did that thing where he told them each, like, come meet with just me, and then they were both going to meet there, and he was going to make them slug it out or whatever. Yeah. Um, so we're inching closer. They are, man, they are managing to milk that story. Oh, forever. Yeah, forever. The whole season. Yep. Um, all right, who else do we want to talk about here? Talk about Stan and, uh, Munch, maybe? Yeah. So they're, um, the body that they get early in the episode, the case that they're on, is part of this, like, drug deal thing that kind of grows throughout the episode. There's a, a journalist, Sam Thorne, who writes uh, a, a local, like a local yeah. Yeah, small newspaper down in Baltimore. Friends, friends with Jay. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's been he's following this story that is about cocaine in 
Baltimore and then has ties to the West Coast and then to Columbia. So he's got this like whole expansive thing that he's working on. And so he's super interested in finding out who the killer was or who their leads are or whatever. Um, talks to G and we get the sense that there's some kind of relationship there. They've known each other for a long time. Um, so uh, it does not take very long for this character to wind up dead. I totally didn't even see it coming. In a scene, yeah, that, I didn't even know who it was at first. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. It was very reminiscent of The Godfather. Yeah. In that it happened in a restaurant. You're right. And also that it's food all over the joint. Leave the gun. I thought I thought of the same thing. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Yeah. Right? And the the kid who does it takes the <laughs> the mint on the way out. Right. Pays pays for the mint. For the mint. Is that real? Do places make you pay for the mints? I don't know. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, so Sam Thorne's daughter we meet, uh, who also has a relationship with G. She knows him and I guess his daughter. Uh, and they're going through, Al is there looking for any kind of clues, any kind of information on this story that he's putting together to come up with who could have who could have killed him. Um, and then... So we are like, this storyline is not as clear as some of them are. I was just going to say, are you clear? Yeah, we're we're all. What happened? I'm not overall. I mean, he. Something. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, what are you going to say? Someone was paid who then got someone to kill him. Yeah. But why did they want him dead? You know why? Because he was going to write that story. Okay. So he had he had the names, he had the connections. Okay. Okay. And he was sniffing around with someone. Okay. That to. makes sense. And so this character Sinclair, who we see getting the haircut, who seems like some kind of like <laughs> coming across like a, a dapper businessman, yes. also probably well connected within the drug trade down there. Above it all. Yeah. Um, and uh, and we find out that he, uh, for five hundred bucks, he paid this kid. And the character's name is Matt Cameron. Uh, I was saying the drummer from Soundgarden back when this uh, episode came out. Also, currently the drummer for Pearl Jam. Um, just another one of those rock names they worked into the show. Um, he uh, he did it for five hundred bucks so he could buy a new bike, uh, and that was kind of fe- fitting into that theme that I think we also saw with that Arthur character, where it's like. Like, there's, like, something off about these characters. Like, they're just, like, so sweet and nice and assuming the best and kind of, like, dumb, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, dumb might be too mean a word, but you know what I mean. They, they're not totally aware. They're not with it. And um, I think our, they're creating a lot of empathy from the, from the detectives here. It's like, how do you deal with this character? They're going to... I mean, Matt, this character, Matt, is a killer. Shot someone yeah, he's in He's going to jail. Right. Like, but, they, but they know he is just an instrument. Yeah. But they can't really... They can get the guy, maybe, that was getting the haircut. But beyond him, not going to happen. Yeah, well, certainly Meldrick Lewis isn't going to be the one chasing that right. guy. And they you know, mentioned at the end is that it's going to the DEA. Is taking over the case and that they probably you know 
Yeah, it's now they're whatever work they're doing now has resulted in two at least two murders that we know of. I, I'm saying I find that the least compelling story. Yeah, in the whole episode, right? I didn't care. Yeah, I I think the scenes, the confession, the box scene in the box with Matt Cameron was that was fun. Was cool. Um, and I think the going to the barber shop was kind of interesting yeah. too. Yeah. But um, barber shop was good. And I would not be surprised if we never went back to this Colombian drug yeah. story again. You know. Um, but um, but yeah. Uh, and it's not a bad storyline at all. No. I think it's I think it's it's okay. But in this episode, there's just so much other cool stuff happening. It's pedestrian. Yeah. Um. All right. So who? Do, what do we want to talk about, about next? Bo. Our yeah, favorite right. Set. <laughs> uh, I mean, Bo had an awesome episode here. I I think all of his scenes were great. There was a really stylized, and I really enjoyed it. The scene where Bo and Russert are talking in the hall. We're at a hallway, basement, I don't know. But it's like all backlit. Their faces are just shrouded in yes. shadows. And he's talking about how, you know, the only reason he went back to his wife was for the kids. And I, I guess he's still trying to rekindle something because at this point, he doesn't even have a place to stay. He's got nothing. Yeah. Um, he goes to his brother-in-law's house to find, you know, what does he know? Does the brother-in-law know? I think he knows. He totally knows. And he's just not giving any credit to Bo. I love that. There was a really funny line. I don't hate you. I just don't like you. (laughs) He says to Bo. I just never liked you. Um, um, Yeah, so... uh, I'll tell you, though. I find it hard to muster up that much sympathy for Bo. Right. I mean... You had an affair. Now you're upset. You screwed yourself. Yeah, right. Like, what do you expect? Yeah. And and he's like, he is so uh, tuned into, like, he's chasing Kay down and is like, did you tell her? Did you tell her about that? And if, it's like, if that's where your anger is directed right now, like, maybe you got to take a second and reassess. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, but I, um... I, I like it. I like everything that, that Bo's doing here. Um, he goes to this this bar. So that was the, <laughs> the couple scenes that uh, the Bo scenes all had, like, I think almost all of them had some kind of musical underscore, which, again, this show does so sparingly. But I thought it was really effective um, in the way that these scenes were, were done. Um, at the end, he's in, like, some pool hall. With some like electric guitar blues rock playing, and uh, the first line in that scene is just like some schlubby, schlubby guy bartender is like, "It's great to have you back, Bo." <laughs> <laughs> like, like this is where Bo comes from. This is the pool hall, smoky pool hall. With Very sad. Neon. Yeah, right. It was sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then. I, well, is there anything else on, on Bo? What, how do we see this going? How is this going to resolve for him? Does he get back with Russert? No. Yeah. I don't see anything good. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's definitely tortured by this and kind of, uh, it's kind of, it, we were seeing it start to, to break him a little bit. Um, 
I feel like that we, we might have glossed over some stuff with that the the storyline of the Colombian killer. So many people are doing so many things in this episode because we have the uh, Lewis exists in that story. He has that that scene in the the box that we talked about. He also has a couple scenes where it's him and Tim uh, talking about Emma Zool or him and Munch, and he's telling Munch he's out. You know, so like. He's showing up in like two, maybe even three storylines in this episode. Um, this was an all hands on deck. Everybody um, was in it. And that that Bo and Russert scene kicked off a sequence of four back-to-back scenes that I thought were four of the best, <coughs> most interesting that I've seen from this show, period, to yeah, this hey, point. Talk about so, so the first one was that one that was um, where Bo is explaining he went back for the kids. And this is, like, I think maybe uh, one of the first few of these, like, longer, more drawn-out scenes that they kind of, like, stick with for a while, which after the breakneck pace of the first nine or ten scenes, this starts to, like, we really feel gravity in that. The music, I thought, was great. The way that it was, that their faces are just dark was was so great. Uh, The next one is when... Tim is confronted by Emma, who was immediately following that. So we have the two couples kind of pairing off. And that, again, had the classic swing, and it had the weird cuts, and him throwing himself around the room and then back to talking to her. Uh, Felt like like homicide stuff. Hmm. Um, The scene where G goes and talks to Matt about the $500. Who, uh, you know, what were you going to do with the money? And... um, I think it's an earlier scene when they ask, why did you pay for the mint? What a, like, that is, it's, it, it is like, it's almost funny, but that obsession over like, why did you pay the 10 cents for the mint after you killed someone? And he says, I'm not a thief. Right. right? That is like such like. There's such a, in his mind, there's such a, a, a delineation between stealing and killing. Yeah. Like, you got paid to kill. Right. Like, the mint. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, but that is, like, it feels like such a, one of those moments of, like, real beauty that you get from homicide. I was going to say, that that's quintessential homicide. Yeah. And the fact that they care about it. Mm-hmm. Like, why'd you do that? Yeah. And I really felt that in that scene with, with G, where he goes down to the, the prison, he says, you know, Sam Thorne was my friend. I, I want to know, why did you do this? And he's like, Take a bit, get a new bike. Like, you you know, it, like you feel it's tragic what's happening to this kid. And he's not a kid. He's not, he doesn't seem that young. But, you know, got talked into doing this thing for a 21-speed mountain bike. <laughs> and even like that, that scene ends with G saying there's no mountains <laughs> in, in Baltimore. Baltimore. Right? Why do you want a mountain bike? <laughs> um, and then so the scene right after that is what I think was maybe like the crowning achievement of this episode is Tim at the liquor store. So that's four scenes right in a row where it's just You're right. like, boom, boom, boom. A little bit longer than we'd seen uh, earlier Good in the episode. Yeah. And just like really blew me away. Uh, totally floored me. Without a doubt, though, the scene in the liquor store is the quintessential scene of the whole episode. Yeah. I think you're just like shocked. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it starts off, it's actually funny. And then it, you become like, whoa. Yeah. 
your like outrage. And it uh, it's just people talking, you know, like that <laughs> that thing that that the first season does so well, and that you really like are just it's it's just it feels so conversational. It doesn't feel like sensational for TV or anything like that, uh, which I think is really so such a part of the DNA of this show. Um, it's so nice to have it back and have it back in like in the purest form uh, in this this episode. Um, what else, what are we what are we missing? There's there's a I'm sure there's other stuff going on here. Again, it, to me, I knew this was going to be a hard episode to talk about. Yeah, because the scenes are so short. A lot of them. Yeah. I think we covered the major scenes right well. Yeah, I um it's funny, whenever we do these, I always feel like there will be certain episodes that I'm like, how like this is gonna be so hard to talk <laughs> about this episode. Uh and and it, it isn't. <laughs> and in this one I was like, I can't wait to get in here and do this. And now I'm here and I'm like, oh, but there's this and this and this. There's too many, too many awesome things happening in this episode. Um I think uh the liquor store clerk. It, and also Arthur, the character Arthur, the actor that played that, two of the best one-off characters that we're never going to see again right. uh, that this show has had. Um, they were so, so good. It, it really felt like they were... I don't know if this is, comes out in the writing or if it comes out in the directing or if it's a com com combination of both, but it feels like they let these scenes breathe a little. They let them take their time. Uh, and it didn't feel like so, almost the thing that they were parodying in the first episode of this season about how the romance and like over-sexing the show and stuff. Like, they didn't do that here. No. We just got what the show does so well. It was a very good episode. Yeah. It's essential. Um, Who do you think the, um, anything else? He finds a doll, calls his daughter. Yeah, no. No, I think that's pretty much it. So who did you think the loser was? Uh, the loser, I will say, is to is very clear to me. Uh, and that is um, Detective Munch. Really? Yeah, because he's got no one in on this bar <clears throat> thing. I mean, assuming that this conversation with Lewis goes well, maybe he gets Lewis back. He's doing the work, but at this point, he's the guy holding the bag uh, and no one else is with him. See, and I would have picked Tim Bayless because of pulling that gun. Yeah. What a jerk. Yeah. Could have lost his job. The guy could have pulled the gun. Then what happens? Yeah, right. Someone could have walked in. I mean, Tim, you just can't, you can't do that. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. And, about, and now he's got to hang out there three nights a week right. for the next however long. Whatever. And how about winners for a winner? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, everybody in this episode did was great. Every, almost everything in this episode was like top shelf performances, top shelf. But uh, everything that happens is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, maybe uh, maybe Lewis. I don't know. I mean, he's he's like um, not only did he close his murder in the episode, he's also like 
cracked this case for the DEA. Mm. Um, so I mean, like, I, I can go with him. I, I think there's probably some sense of feeling like accomplished, but also you don't have to do all this work anymore. Yeah. You just hand yeah. it off to someone else. Um, it's so good to see him in action. Maybe G too. Like G has, I think, a, a pretty uplifting end. You know, calls his daughter. I guess his friend died, so maybe maybe not. I don't know. I think Winter's. Bob well, was reminded by his daughter of the guy who died. Yeah. Um. Joe, people want to contact us. They, what, what do they, do? they should absolutely do that. Uh, and there are two ways to do it. You can send us an email. Uh, our email address is from red to black pod at gmail.com. Uh, also, they can reach out to us on Twitter at uh, red to black pod. And again, please read us in iTunes. Um, please tell your friends about it. Um, and we just thank you for listening. And we welcome your questions and comments. And we will get back to you. Yeah, we love talking about the show. So talk talk to us about uh-huh. it. Uh, however, that it works best to you to reach out to us. All right, well, hey, there's uh-huh. another... Uh, Another episode that we're turning from red to black. Thanks for listening.